0: Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. You want to welcome our online campus. We're live streaming this morning for the first time ever as a church. Yeah, well thanks Carlisle and Jana for being excited. Now just let me say this is not an excuse for you to start staying at home because we're going to give a little more grace for people who are worried about the COVID but as time goes on and nobody's getting sick with COVID and the numbers keep going down, I sure hope everybody starts coming back to church because we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together because it becomes a habit for some people. And when it becomes a habit for people, we, we live in isolation and we live in loneliness and then we begin to live in insecurity and we begin to live in brokenness because it is good. You know, God commands a blessing when brothers come together in unity. And I just I want to draw your attention before we get into it this morning, because there's been so much uh, unrest in our world today, especially in North America, uh, with uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, all these things. And here's what I want to say: What the enemy intended for harm, God has turned for good. And if you're paying attention in social media, the media, the liberal media will not cover the revival that's happening right now in Minneapolis, Minnesota. But there are people by the hundreds and thousands being baptized and saved. There are churches lined up preaching the gospel. There is, there is unity. There is reconciliation between races going on. I mean, it is, it doesn't, I don't care what side of any argument politically or socially you find yourself on, just know this. What the enemy intended for evil, God God has turned for good. This is the God we serve. With him, all things are possible. With him, all things can be accomplished according to his perfect will being lived out in our lives. And today, fathers, I'm going to talk to you. Now, now, mothers, women, this is for you too. Um, and I'm sorry that we didn't get to have church together for Mother's Day. I feel like we all owe you one, like the whole world owes mothers a Mother's Day. Um, but today's Father's Day, so sorry for your luck. Um, and, uh, and I'm just going to, I'm going to just share with you and throw a few thoughts at you today because we desperately need fathers in this world. Now, I don't, I don't care if that, if that bothers the feminist bone in your body. This morning, we're not talking about the social issues concerning women. Let me just say this. Wherever there are healthy fathers, women are elevated. Wherever there are healthy fathers, daughters are protected and free to do what is in their desire and will to do. Wherever there are fathers, children grow up in security and don't wind up in jail. Wherever there are fathers, you see, fatherlessness is the number one issue facing our world right now, and if you would just go on your own time and start looking up the statistics around fatherlessness, you might be surprised. We need to support men in this day and age who are stepping up and answering the call of God on their life to be spiritual and physical fathers to the world around them. All right? For those of you men who think, I'm a father, everybody's got to pay me my dues, everybody's got to show me my respect, listen, you're not a leader and actually you're not a real man yet if the only way for you to stay ahead of everybody else is flapping your arms and holding them back. Men, if you want to lead, get to the front and lead. Stay ahead. Lead. If your kids are growing faster than you spiritually, you need to grow faster spiritually. It's a simple equation. I didn't intend to say that, but I just, Well, come on. All right. I did intend to say it, I just hadn't planned on saying it. All right, happy Father's Day. That was my rant, and now three or four more. Um, When I think about myself as a father, the first word that comes to mind is the word unqualified. Anybody relate? (laughs) Yeah, just a few dads are going to put up their hands. At home, some dads are putting their hands. I hope the young men in our church who are in their teen years and nowhere near being fathers yet... Uh, are putting up their hand and realizing you are desperately unqualified to be a father. The only thing you have in terms of qualification, frankly, is an X and a Y chromosome. That's the qualification you're born into this world with. But the good news is, is there's more. So let me just talk to you about why I think I am unqualified. Um, You know, first of all, the mom has this wonderful opportunity between conception and birth to bond with a child. So mothering starts at conception and, and goes all the way through the rest of life for the mom, okay? But for dads, fathering kind of starts at birth, except for that child does not care about us. That child does not want much from us. The only thing that child does is want you to pat his back and then he smiles at you while he farts or she. That, that's being a father. It's not until the kids are like 3, 4, 5, I don't know, 12 or 15, that they really start to like, Dad, I need something from you. And what do you need? Well, 20 bucks. That's kind of, that's, not really. My, my kids need a great deal of nurturing from me. And, and I'm happy to give it to them. Uh, but, you know, moms kind of get that, they get that head start with the baby, right? But us dads. And I want to tell you why I'm so um, unqualified. When Jacob was born, back in the year 2000. Four, The year of our Lord, 2004. Um, I was not very smart. I did not know or did not live the principle of rest out very well in my life. I, I didn't really take a Sabbath. I, I didn't know better. Okay, and, uh, and frankly, my pastor should have told me, you, know, you should stay home. But no, not me. Pastor Amy has Jacob by C-section because his head was as big as a birth as it is today. All right? So he's an emergency C-section. Amy is in the hospital for, what, two, three, four days, five days after Jacob is born. On the sixth day, this is just before God took a break, Pastor Trav says, let's take my wife and my brand spanking new firstborn son to Bible camp in a moldy old camper. With no bathroom, but I did have air conditioning because I used a shop vac hose and my Ford pickup truck Started the truck, ran the air conditioning, taped off the window, put the shop back hose into the trailer. Redneck air conditioning, it worked great. So Pastor Amy, recovering from a C-section, is having to climb up into the overhead bunk, the cab over bunk, in this, in this thing. And, and I, I haven't even got to the unqualified part yet. I am in the kitchen dining area with, oh, I don't know, maybe 15, maybe 500 mothers and women gathered around my son and my lovely wife. And they're congratulating her and they're ooing and awing over Jakin because he really was cute back then. And, uh, and, and I decided that I would demonstrate to the world how tough my son was and how simple it was for the doctor to remove a child by cesarean section. So I, holding my sons in my arm, I said, you guys, you would not believe how crazy it was. Dr. Molnar, he cut her open, and he said, hey, get in there with that camera. And so I was trying to get in there with the camera, and he grabbed Jacob by the ankle and just pulled him out, which I literally reenacted right in front of all those women. I held up my six-day-old son by one ankle upside down. Now, I'm thankful to Jesus that I'm still alive today and here to tell you that story. Because there were 15 to 500 angry, angry church lady mamas who were going to murder me for what I'd done. Of course, Pastor Amy burst into tears. And at some point after that, I realized, you are desperately unqualified right now to be a father. Uh, that's why Jacob is tall, in case you're wondering. Um... But listen, we're, you maybe didn't do something that dumb, but we're all feeling unqualified. Let me bounce a few words off of you. And, and don't let this ruin Father's Day for you, but let me just bounce a few words. Expectation. Grades. Pass. Passed over. Realization. Ceiling. Failure. Make it. Fake it. Authentic. Short. Missed it. Earn your stripes. Never. Standard. Proven. Trustworthy, safe, dangerous, loser, winner, special, proud. I could go on. What these words are are stars in the galaxy of qualification. To be qualified, there are, it seems like, a billion options of success and of failing. And we can either look at these words as glowing, gaseous balls of hot air or hot matter, or we can look at them as something to be aspired to or or inspired by. But it really is both. Qualification and the fact that we are unqualified as fathers in so many ways sets an impossibly high standard for us. And we we tend to think, I believe, of two things. We either tend to think about qualification way too much, or way too little, and that's largely dependent on your personality as a man. But these both still are a part of the equation that we need to learn about, to consider. You know, we see this in church all the time. We hold classes like Next Steps, some of you have been through Next Steps, to train people, but most people actually think that we are training for the purpose of qualification. That's not why we train people. We train people so that you become familiar with and knowing and loving of our culture as a church. Qualification is an entirely different subject altogether. But we often confuse training with qualification. And that's why sometimes when we sit down, or nearly every time, when we sit down in pastoral or marital counseling with people, we're always seeing people on the defensive trying to prove that they haven't failed because they believe failure is about qualification more than it's about training. Understand this, please. God's Word points out the fact that we have failed and fallen short of His perfect standard, but in no way is it a condemnation of us that cannot be recovered from. God's Word, the Bible says this of itself, that the law is a teacher. And so knowing that we've missed the standard is intended to teach us something, not prove to us again that we're defeated and unqualified. You see, and as we learn, we become qualified. What is the process of learning in the kingdom of God? Well, it starts with bending your will to Jesus. See, when I bend my will to Jesus, I enter the stage of qualification because I am now redeemed. And I'm on the journey because I have been made holy and I am becoming perfected. This doesn't change the fact that I am radically unqualified the whole time. Please hear this this morning, men. It is a difference in your life between training and qualification. And we are all being trained. As a result of this misunderstanding, many of us will try to answer or deal with this problem by fixing everything. And we tend to become overreaching perfectionists. We try to to solve every problem. We try to, to strengthen every single area of weakness. We adopt a philosophy that assumes the secret to success must be the appearance of perfection or flawlessness, even to become superhuman. Now, if we're going to be honest as men, I think we all have a little bit of a desire in our hearts to be considered superhuman by our sons and daughters, don't we? Come on. We do. I love it when my boys want to take me, but there's that look in their eye that tells me they know they can't. And I I love that. And I can't even use my right arm, but Jake and I could still whoop your butt in under two minutes. Well, maybe three. He's getting heavier too. We mistake training and qualification for things that they're not. We try to cover up rather than change. We try to alter rather than to be molded by the presence and the person of Jesus. You see, this creates a huge issue for us. And so what does it mean for us when we, when we realize that we're unqualified? Well, the short answer is this, and I'm going to get to some scripture in just a moment. But the short answer is this, God has a different system of qualification than you and I do. See, we may be unqualified in all things concerning the laws and the perfection of God's word, but at the same time, because of Jesus' work at the cross, we are all qualified by his grace. We're qualified by his mercy, by his justice, by his goodness. Those are the things that qualify us according to God's system. So the first thing we need to learn is that qualification is not up to me. And I don't know if you realize this, but that's true in life. If you become a tradesperson, what is your qualification? Does it come from you? No, it does not. It comes from an authority above you. Qualification can come from a consumer, from a customer. If they're willing to pay you for your work, you're qualified for the work. Now, if they don't want to pay you, you're perhaps underqualified. It's a pretty simple exchange, though, isn't it? So I want us to realize a couple of things here this morning. And I think these three things I'm going to share with you right now can really be a part of changing your entire life if you actually buy in. They have, uh, they have a polarity that is opposite to the pattern of the world. You see, the pattern of the world is self-improvement and self-help and self-this and self-that. But what does the Scripture teach, man? You need to deny yourself if you want to stay qualified in God's kingdom. Jesus said it. You need to deny yourself and take up your cross. Follow me. Bend your will to me. But here's the three things. First of all, God has an unconditional acceptance of you through Jesus Christ. See, God knows your true identity, the real you, and he loves you just as you are. So when God qualifies you, it's according to his unconditional goodness and unconditional knowledge of how he made you. You can't escape that. The second thing is, is your acceptance of yourself must include your weaknesses. I've been paying a lot of money to a a coach for months now, helping me to become self-aware. See, because lots of us We're generous with our time. We're generous towards other people. We're very aware of others, but we are unaware of ourselves. And as a result, we become misaligned. And so we need to learn to accept ourselves, the self-awareness to say, I realize that I'm falling short, but my best effort is still required. I realize that what I'm doing is not going to wind up being perfect at the end of the day, but that's not what it's about. It's about my obedience to the call of God in my life. The third thing is your acceptance of God's process of change. God's work in your life isn't meant to squelch, squash, or eradicate the real you, but rather to bring you into the fullness of who God always intended you to be. There's a huge difference between self-help and God's help, isn't there? Self-help brings me into the image of who I think I maybe should be, but God's help brings me into the image that he always knew I could be. The dream that was me in the heart of God can become real through the work of Jesus, through the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And the same is exactly true for you. These concepts identify weakness. These concepts are about identity, weakness, and change. I'm going to call them the trifecta of transformation. We can embrace identity and weakness and change and understand that that does not change my qualification in the eyes of God. I can walk out my life with a different meaning, a different purpose, and a different confidence. The actual the actual situation is that we have a cyclical relationship. I know the real me all too well. I know that I have many weaknesses, and that makes me feel less qualified. So I try to change my weaknesses, but soon realize that I can't completely fix myself. So my identity suffers even more, and I move even closer to feeling less qualified and less qualified until I become the logical conclusion. Until I come to that logical conclusion that I am absolutely disqualified. That is the nature of our cycle when we think the wrong way about it. So much for self-help. As long as you and I try to fix our lack of qualification by working harder to qualify, we will stay in that cycle of defeat. Let me say that again for you so you, so you learn this today. For as long as you and I try to fix our lack of qualification by working harder to qualify, we will stay in the cycle of defeat. There is only one name under heaven that has the authority and the power to absolutely qualify you according to the standards of God. And it is the man, Jesus Christ. Scripture says of him, he is the only name under heaven by which men can be saved. I don't know about you, but there are many, many times in my life where my failures scream so loudly that I can't even hear or see the opportunity to do something to change. And I sabotage my own success because of self-doubt before I've ever begun. I've been a perfectionist most of my life, and that causes me to procrastinate on everything. Because I know in the back of my mind, the thing that I want to do so well with so much excellence will never be what I envision, and so I'll leave it sitting there thinking that maybe if I work on this part, that part will become complete. I'm glad to tell you this morning that after some years of work, and even repentance... I, don't long, I no longer feel like a perfectionist. I'm totally happy when the worship team screws up, which they didn't today at all. I'm, I'm totally fine when I say the wrong thing. Well, not totally fine, but I'm fine. I'm going to live. I'm, I'm okay with everything that's hidden not being perfect. It's a horrible place to live. In the cycle and in a relationship of I'm never going to qualify. I'm never going to get it right. See, the gap between you and what you hope to accomplish becomes impossibly wide in that lifestyle. And the echoing question across the void continues to scream in your ear. Am I qualified to be? Am I qualified for this? Am I going to be able to? Am I? It becomes a whole conversation of nothing but self-doubt. Not only self-doubt, but doubt in the one who called you, the one who made you, the one who formed you, and the one who is going to see you through to completion. My point here is that these things, that where these things are concerned, we all appreciate, and a lot. We appreciate the desire to be qualified, and we should. When, when we ask ourselves, am I qualified to, I don't know, install a furnace in my home, to, to, to work with natural gas in my home, I mean, those are good questions, because otherwise you'll blow your family up, okay? You, you, you need to be able to know how to do the job right. So, so the questions about am I qualified need to be there. They need to be a part of life, but it does not need to define your life. It simply helps you choose a course of action, So if you are not qualified to be a gas fitter, you will hire a gas fitter or ask Tyson to come and do it for free. Just kidding. Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't do that. He's worth the money. You see, we run into more problems when we get to the more personal, the more subjective initiatives in our lives. I I, want to get to, to the real good stuff in just a couple minutes here. Um. When we overestimate or give too much credit to our lack of qualifications, we begin to remove the the supernatural reality of the Holy Spirit from our lives, from our call, from our ability to accomplish the things God puts in front of us. And when God wants us to do something beyond our abilities, all through Scripture, that is the key to success. So why don't we live that way as men? See, we we are way too satisfied to go through life as fathers doing the things we know we can do. When was the last time you stepped out and did something specifically that you did not know if you could do it? I'm willing to bet it's been a while for some of us. I think the reason why children are so brilliant is because almost every day of their life, between the ages of like zero to five especially, they have to do something new every single day. And I think that's what makes them a little more godly than us. I think that's what makes them a little more, a little more spiritually open and even, if you will, spiritually mature. You say, Pastor Trev, how can a child be more spiritually mature? I don't know. It's just Jesus said, we all have to become like children to enter the kingdom of heaven. But I think it's because every day in the life of a child, there's a challenge to overcome something new that they've never seen before. And I want to say to you as men, there are thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of issues and people and opportunities facing your life. But if you stay stuck in a mentality that says, I will only ever do the things I know I can do, I believe you will never achieve the thing God puts you on this earth to do. Because God needs us to walk into impossible things so that he can accomplish them through us. And it's the only way it can happen. The only way God can accomplish the impossible through you is for you to do something that is impossible for you. And we need to get comfortable with that idea as followers of Jesus. Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, Call me. Tell me to come out on the water, and I'll come to you. And Peter, call, Jesus calls out to Peter. Peter walks out of the boat, starts walking on the water. Wow! And then he stops believing that he's walking on the water with Jesus and sinks, because he was unqualified. But Jesus qualified him again. He grabbed him by the hand, and they walked together back to the boat. You must walk into impossible things for the God of the impossible to do something in your life. If it only ever depends on you, it will only ever be about what you can do. Come on, I can't be rocking your world and hurting your feelings that badly. Who wants to step into something impossible? Come on, we live in an impossible world. If you're a white male Christian heterosexual you are the worst i mean the, the world literally just screams shame on you guess what that's an impossible situation and come on men of god i don't care what color we are men need to step up and do the impossible thing to become a father to a fatherless generation um, here's my favorite catchphrase from this entire message today. You ready for this? This is it. This is where you make your note for the day. God cannot bless who you're pretending to be. You can try to keep doing what you're doing, but let me promise you, God will never be able to bless who you're pretending to be. God can only bless the real things and I don't care what your issue is, I don't care what you're facing, you need to know this in your heart of hearts by the spirit of God today God cannot, it's not that he will not it's that he cannot in who he is bless who you're pretending to be in the book of Genesis chapter 27 I'm just going to run through this pretty quick but uh, Isaac was old he had two sons, Esau and Jacob and um, there was the issue, they were twins Esau, older Literally by, 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 by a length, Jacob came out holding on to the heel of Esau. And um, there was always a bit of uh, enmity. It was, like, it was like Jacob was trying to get to the front first. He just couldn't quite get there. You know, the, the lane got too narrow, if you will. And uh, he, he, could not, he couldn't get out. But he came out grasping the heel. There's this enmity between them. And Isaac says in Genesis 27, chapter 2, Behold, now I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, please take your gear, your quiver, your bow, go out to the field and hunt some game for me, and prepare a savory dish. He's old. He wants his son Esau to go. Because you see, what, what, what he's doing here, what Isaac is doing, is he's setting up the encounter to give the blessing, the birthright to Esau. So, if you read the whole story in Genesis chapter 27, um, The the mom gets involved and, you know, she's an interesting lady, but she basically uh, appears to like Jacob more than Esau and helps him devise a plan to go out, get a goat, put fur on his hands to trick his father into giving him the birthright. Genesis 27, 29 to 24 says this, and Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. A liar. I have done as you told me. Get up, please sit. Eat my game so that you may bless me. Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have done this so quickly, my son? Because usually hunting takes a while. But going out into the backyard and killing a goat takes just a few minutes. And he said, Because the Lord God caused it to happen to me. Again, Jacob is a liar. I'm Esau. Lie. Uh, It didn't take me long because God caused it to happen to me. Lie. Then Isaac said to Jacob, who thinking he was Esau, Please come close that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob came close to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So Isaac blessed him and then said again, Are you really my son Esau? And Jacob said, I am. Jacob is a lying sack of garbage. There are worse things we would say about him at one church. He's a liar, a trickster, a swindler. I can't imagine. I mean, I have lied to my parents. But I cannot imagine having the audacity to sit down and look my dad in the face and lie to him time and time and time again. I don't understand that you imagine Jacob's whole life looking over his shoulder, knowing the lies he told? you imagine the mental battle he must have been going through in all those years when he, he was reformed? I mean, he totally deserved it when his uncle tricked him for seven years of work to marry the ugly daughter. Well, maybe she wasn't ugly. We don't know. But it wasn't the daughter that he wanted. He had to work another seven years for the one he did want. He deserved that. And in the middle of all the scathing accusations that come up against Jacob, for some reason, God chooses to qualify him. For some reason, God chooses to bless him. I'm sharing this part of the story with you because what you need to understand is God does not qualify you according to the perfection of your past. He qualifies you according to his will and your calling. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. When God calls, calls, God qualifies. And if God has called and qualified you, don't worry about the rest. He will work on the perfecting part along the journey. God qualified that scumbag and made him the father of a nation. Israel even though even though he was far from perfect and his track record disqualified him what's amazing to me is that God qualified me too and i know some of you and i'm amazed that God qualified some of you <laughs> but you know what it's the best part of the story because it's where everything can begin to change 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and 10 says, He has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with my weaknesses and and with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, when I am weak, then I am strong. How many of us are really okay with that? I'm sorry to tell you, it's the only truth that matters. It's the only truth that matters. The grace of Jesus is sufficient. His power will only be perfected in your weakness. The choice you and I have is how we will embrace that opportunity to become like Jesus to be conformed to the image of the Son of God, to have His mind, to have His character. Our world needs fathers like never before. Every man in this room, if your chromosomes don't match, there's not a lot of options, but if your chromosomes don't match, you are already pre-qualified to father. Father. Now, I know that some of you will not have children. Some won't because they can't. Some won't because they won't. But it doesn't change the need, and it doesn't change the opportunity for human beings who are XY chromosomed to father. I have watched teenage boys act the part of father to seven-year-old boys. And you want to know what happens? Seven-year-old boy's life is changed. changed. Because you don't need to be 50 years old to become qualified. Every one of us has the Father heart of God in us. Even women have the Father heart of God in them and therefore are qualified to minister as such. You aren't perfect. But perfection, training, are not the same as qualifying. If you're a Jesus follower, if you're truly a Jesus follower, you're already qualified and you're being perfected. You see, you are called to greatness, not in the eyes of the world, not in the eyes of yourself, but in the eyes of your wife, your children, and your spiritual sons and daughters. That's who we are called to. That's who we are called to be great in the eyes of. Just imagine for one minute with me, with me as we close today what the world could look like if there was a righteous man training every, every son, every daughter to be good, to be kind, to be faithful, to bring words of healing, not words of destruction. You see, all those things, that's the job of a dad. And a mom too, but today it's the job of a dad. Because God built us for this. You were made for this. If you're a man this morning, not a father, but if you're a man, would you stand? I want to pray with you. I want you to pray for you. I know sometimes we say, hey, go lay hands on somebody. I'm not going to ask you to do that today. I want men, put your hand on your own heart. And if you're a six-year-old boy, you're still a man. You, you qualify. I want you to put your hand on your heart and let's, we're going to pray together. As I pray these words, you, just, you pray them too. You pray them in your heart. Pray them in your mind. You ask God. God, help us as men to walk with holy confidence in who you have called and qualified us to be. Jesus, help us to be men who are worth submitting to. Help us to live with our lives laid down to you and to those who you entrust to us. Jesus, help us to hear your Holy Spirit teach and train us. To know that the training is not to point out our lack of qualification. But to help us know, God, that because we are qualified, you will train us and you will build us and you will perfect us. Jesus, give us a holy confidence, I pray, to be who you've called us to be. To live and to love as you've called us to love. We ask this all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.